0: And welcome to tonight's Zoomcast on Isaiah's prophecy, chapters 48 through 49, the servant, part one. And we will be reading from the Isaiah Institute's translation of Isaiah tonight. Hear this, O house of Jacob, you who are named Israel, though you stem from the limage of Judah, who take oaths in the name of Jehovah. And invoke the God of Israel, though not in truth or in righteousness. And I actually also want to read from the King James Version of these verses.
1: All right, in
0: the King James Version, hear this, O house of Jacob, which are called by the name of Israel and are come forth out of the waters of Judah, which swear by the name of the Lord and make mention of the God of Israel, but not in truth nor in righteousness. All right, in these verses, Isaiah is specifically mentioning Um, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the generation in which the end-time servant comes forth. Again, hear ye this, O house of Jacob, which are called by the name of Israel and are come forth out of the waters of Judah or out of the waters of baptism. The waters of baptism in the preparatory gospel. Those of the Latter-day Saints who are on the Jacob-Israel level. And there's a cross reference, DNC 103, regarding the redemption of Zion. Verse 16 Therefore, I will raise up unto my people a man who shall lead them, like as Moses led the children of Israel. For ye are the children of Israel and the seed of Abraham, and ye must needs be led out of bondage by power and with a stretched out arm.
1: Power and a stretched out arm, both being Isaiah metaphors for the Lord's end-time servant. And again from the Isaiah Institute's
0: translation. Hear this, O house of Jacob, you who are named Israel, though you stem from the lineage of Judah, who take oaths in the name of Jehovah, and invoke the God of Israel, though not in righteousness or in truth. Now, righteousness being a metaphor for the Lord's end-time servant. Now, what are these oaths in the name of Jehovah? Well, As part of, you know, our LDS temple ceremony, you know, what are typically called covenants are actually oaths. And, you know, we take oaths to God, believing that these oaths have been given by God to us and that they are, in fact, how we obtain salvation and exaltation. And we are directly being
1: addressed in this those who come out
0: of the waters of baptism, who are taking oaths in the name of Jehovah and invoking the God of Israel, though not in truth or in righteousness, meaning that these oaths that were being given. have not come by the power or authority from God. And the definition of taking God's name in vain is claiming that one has power and authority to act in the name
1: of God, knowing full well that one does not. Who call yourselves of the holy city or of Zion, Now, as a cross-reference, let's go to Second Nephi 28. Verse
0: 21. And others will he pacify and lull them away into carnal security, that they will say, all is well in Zion. Yea, Zion prospereth, all is well. And thus the devil cheateth their souls and leadeth them away carefully down to hell. And verse 24, therefore, woe be unto him that is at ease in Zion, woe be unto him that crieth all is well. And verse 32, regarding those who profess to live in Zion, but this profession is made before Zion is actually established, which happens with the return of the end-time servant and the beginning of the Exodus. And woe be unto the Gentiles or the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who proclaim that they are at ease in Zion and saith, all is well in Zion, saith the Lord God of hosts. For notwithstanding, I shall lengthen out mine arm unto them from day to day. They will deny me. Nevertheless, I will be merciful unto them, saith the Lord God. If they will repent and come unto me, for mine arm is lengthened out all the day long, saith the Lord God of hosts. Again, the God's arm being lengthened out all the day long is Isaiah imagery for the return of the end-time servant. So the meaning here is that only the Lord's end-time servant has the power and proper authority from
1: God to reinstitute the true oaths and covenants with God. Who take oaths in the name of Jehovah and invoke the God
0: of Israel, though not in truth or in righteousness, meaning truth and righteousness the end-time servant, is where the true oaths will come from. Who call yourselves of the holy city, or that you constitute Zion. But you're doing so before Zion is established. You're doing so before the return of the end time servant, who will actually establish Zion, whose name is Jehovah of hosts. The prophecies of the events of the past I made known long beforehand. No sooner did they issue from my mouth than I caused them to be announced. Okay, again, mouth is a metaphor for the Lord's end-time servant. So the prophecies of the events of the past I made known long beforehand. Or the things that were to come to pass in the end times. The Lord prophesied, um, not only in Isaiah and Jeremiah's days, um, but also during the days of Joseph Smith's first ministry. And these prophecies are recorded in the Doctrine and Covenants. And most of them have to do with that time when the end-time servant would return on the scene and gather out the strength of the Lord's house and start the gathering of Israel. And no sooner did they issue from my mouth, or no sooner did they issue from Joseph Smith during his first ministry, than I caused them to be announced or that they were published in the Book of Commandments and then the Book of Doctrine and Covenants. Then suddenly I acted and they came about. Well, detractors of the Restoration claim that Joseph must have been a fallen prophet or a false prophet, because most of the prophecies in the Doctrine and Covenants that regarded himself never came to pass. What they didn't realize and what... Most of the members of the church did not realize is that those prophecies had nothing to do with Joseph Smith's first ministry, but everything to do with his second ministry. So of course they weren't fulfilled in Joseph Smith's first ministry, but they will all be fulfilled in DNC section one. You know, which is the Lord's preface. To the Doctrine and Covenants, which is mainly an instruction manual to the end-time saints and end-time servants. Verse 4, and the voice of warning shall be unto all people by the mouths of my disciples whom I have chosen in these last days, and they shall go forth and none shall stay them, for I the Lord have commanded them. Behold, this is mine authority and the authority of my servants. And my preface to the book of my commandments, which I have given them to publish unto you, O inhabitants of the earth. Wherefore, fear and tremble, O ye people, for what I, the Lord, have decreed in
1: them shall be fulfilled. They shall all be fulfilled. And they are true prophecies and true
0: revelations. Again, verse 3 in Isaiah 48. The prophecies of the events of the past I made known long beforehand. So Old Testament prophets, New Testament prophets. No sooner did they issue from my mouth and also from Joseph Smith, recorded in the Book of Commandments, Doctrine and Covenants, than I caused them to be announced. They were published. Then suddenly... um, going forward to the return of the end-time servant, when he comes on the scene, it will be suddenly. And suddenly I acted, and they came about. And one of the things that the end-time servant will do to announce his return will be to declare that the prophecies which were written you know, concerning himself have now been fulfilled. For I knew how stubborn you were. Your neck was an iron sinew, your brow brazen. Now, who is the Lord talking to? Well, the Lord is talking to the same people that uh, he introduced this chapter to, namely the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I knew how stubborn you were. Your neck was an iron sinew. Uh, referring to the men in the church um, being unwilling to take upon themselves the yoke of Christ. And instead of offering up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit, hardening, hardening their hearts. You are brow brazen, referring to the women of the church also being unwilling. To offer up the sacrifice of broken heart and contrite spirit. Now, this sentiment is also expressed in DNC 45. Verse 28. And when the times of the Gentiles is come in, a light shall break forth among them that sit in darkness, and it shall be the fullness of my gospel. Okay, the time of the Gentiles coming in is the end time servant opening again, the heavens knowledge of the doctrine of Christ again, being proclaimed and the possibility again of the baptism of fire, baptism of Holy ghost being possible. And in that generation shall the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Um, This is all about Joseph Smith's second ministry. Verse 29, but they the members of the church, both the men who have uh, their necks are as iron sinew and the women whose brows are brazen, but they receive it not, for they perceive not the light, and they turn their hearts from me because of the precepts of men. Verse 5. Therefore, I told you them beforehand. I announced them to you before they transpired. Lest you should say, my idols did it. My graven and wrought images caused it. Well, one of the main forms of idolatry of the Latter-day Saints is called out by Nephi. Again, in 2 Nephi 28, verse 31. Cursed is he that putteth his trust in man or maketh flesh his arm, or shall hearken unto the precepts of men, say their precepts shall be given by the power of the Holy Ghost. So one of the main idolatries of Latter-day Saints is we accept as the word of God and for doctrine that which is spoken not by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. And therefore, we place our trust in man, we make flesh our arm, and we hearken to the precepts of men. and therefore see 45:29 but they receive it not i.e the fullness of the gospel the light breaking forth among them that sit in darkness for they perceive not the light and they turn their hearts from me because of the precepts of men Isaiah 48 verse 4 for I knew how stubborn you were your neck you men was as iron sinew your brow you women, Was brazen. Therefore, I told you them beforehand. I announced them to you before they transpired, lest you should say, My idols did it, my graven and wrought images caused it. Lest you should say that the light breaking forth among them that sit in darkness was a result of those who speak not by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost, but blaspheme against God in the midst of his house. The midst of his house. You know, as defined in DNC 101, being among the members of the church. Verse 6. But you have heard the whole vision. How is it that you do not proclaim it? Yet as of now, I announce to you new things, things withheld and unknown to you. So not only will all things which have been previously prophesied Come to pass, but new things will yet be proclaimed and prophesied by the end time servant who will speak by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. But you have heard the whole vision. How is it you do not proclaim it? Or to those to whom the fullness of the gospel or the doctrine of Christ, the new and everlasting covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, The baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and being able to enter into the rest of the Lord. The impending destructions, and the need for repentance. You who have received um, this testimony uh, among the Latter-day Saints, why do you not proclaim it? Yet as of now, I announce to you new things things withheld and unknown to you, things now coming into being not hitherto, things you have not heard of before, lest you should say, indeed, I knew them. Now, this has multiple layers of meaning. The first, we've grown up all our lives in the church. The doctrine of Christ has been right in front of our eyes the entire time. It's recapitulated throughout the entire Book of Mormon and Doctrine and Covenants, and yet we have read and studied our scripture our entire lives. We have, you know, taught them in lessons. We have been taught, and yet we were blind to the fullness of the gospel in the scriptures. But this light breaking forth among those that sit in darkness is the awakening of the fullness of the gospel in the scriptures, which we've had the whole time. And also, as the end-time servant comes forth, he will make new predictions, new prophecies of things which will come to pass, things which were not recorded in the Doctrine and Covenants or in any scripture that we have access to. Now, this includes, as is prophesied of in 1 Nephi chapter 13, the bringing forth of the record of the 12 apostles of the Lamb, which is the full translation of the New Testament, and also the record of the prophets, which is the translation of the brass plates, And not only that, but the translation of the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon. However, that will be withheld and will not go forward to the general population, but to those who have become members of the Church of the Firstborn by entering into the rest of the Lord. Verse 7, things now coming into being, not hitherto things you have not heard before. Lest you should say, indeed, I knew them. You have not heard them, nor have you known them. Before this, your ears have not been open to them. For I knew you would turn treacherous.
1: You were called a transgressor from the womb. If we cross reference DNC 84, verse 54,
0: and your minds in time past have been darkened. Now, this revelation was given to the saints in 1832. Your minds in time past have been darkened because of unbelief and because you have treated lightly the things that you have received, which vanity and unbelief have brought the whole church under condemnation. And this condemnation resteth upon the children of Zion, even all. And they shall remain under this condemnation until they repent and remember the new covenant, even in the book of Mormon and the former commandments, which I have given unto them, not only to say, but to do according to that which I have written, that they may bring forth fruit meat for their father's kingdom. Otherwise, there remaineth a scourge and judgment to be poured out upon the children of Zion. For shall the children of the kingdom pollute my holy land? Really, I say you, nay. Or, in other words, this has reference to the doctrine of eternal lives. That God has been working with his people for a very long time. And he keeps bringing them back and giving them opportunity. And they embrace a portion of the truth,
1: but reject the fullness time after time after time. Again, DNC 103. 15. Behold, I see unto
0: you the redemption of Zion must needs come by power. Verse 17. For ye are the children of Israel and of the seed of Abraham. And ye must needs be led out of bondage by power and with a stretched out arm. And DNC
1: 101. Verse 56. Talking about the time of the return
0: of the servant and the servants and the gathering out of the strength of the Lord's house, and go ye straightway unto the land of my vineyard and redeem my vineyard, for it is mine; I have bought it with money. Um, now it's important to understand that celestial doctrine is never talked about in plainness in scripture intended for a celestial or terrestrial uh, order of the gospel, but There are inferences and references. Um, It's why Christ taught in parable that the higher meaning might be obscured uh, from those who were not ready to receive it, but that the meat of the gospel might be revealed to all of those who were ready. And it's the same thing in our scripture today. Um, The reality is, God has been working with his people. And the implication is the same people from generation to generation to generation that in the end, he finally
1: might have a group of people ready to receive him. Again, say it. You have not heard them,
0: nor have you known them. What are these things? The things which will be revealed anew with the return of the end-time servant.
1: Before this, your ears have not been open to them. So, things that our ears have not been open to um, are things which are in scripture,
0: Um, but we haven't yet had eyes to see or ears to hear, because they can only be understood by the inspiration of the Spirit. For I knew you would turn treacherous. So regarding this knowing that you would turn treacherous,
1: Uh, If we go back to the book of commandments and in section four of the book of commandments, verses
0: five and six, and thus if the people of this generation harden not their hearts, I will work a reformation among them. I will establish my church like unto the church, which was taught by my disciples in the days of old. And now if this generation do harden their hearts against my word, behold, I will deliver them up unto Satan. Now this is given in 1829. Or in other words, I knew that you would turn treacherous. For he reigneth and hath much power at this time. For he hath got great hold upon the hearts of the people of this generation. And not far from the iniquities of Sodom and Gomorrah do they come at this time. And behold, the sword of the justice hangeth over their heads. And if they persist in the hardness of their hearts, the time cometh that it must fall upon them. Behold, I tell you these things, even as I do, even as I also told the people of the destruction of Jerusalem. And my word shall be fulfilled at this time, as it hath hitherto been verified. This is a prophecy of the second abomination of desolation. The first abomination of desolation was carried out by Titus in AD 70. And Christ, during his mortal ministry, had warned the Jews that an abomination of desolation was coming. And truly, those who took the Holy Spirit as their guide um, removed themselves from that city before the devastation of the sword of the romans came upon them and just as their christ prophesied to you know his people during his mortal ministry of the coming abomination of desolation so has it been prophesied to the latter day saints if we go
1: to dnc 88 Verses 84 and 85. Therefore, tarry ye and labor diligently. These are the
0: first labors and last kingdom in their second ministry. That you may be perfected in your ministry to go forth among the Gentiles for the last time. Or among the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints for the last time. Because the Latter-day Saints of today are as the Jews of the days of Jesus Christ. The leadership of those peoples were the legal administrators of the gospel. But both groups of leadership had wandered far from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and had replaced the worship of the true and living God with a proximity of his gospel, which they created so that they could control and they removed the sonship and daughtership which God offers to the baptism of fire baptism of my ghost they removed the understanding that after one becomes a son and daughter one might receive the revelation to be instructed about how to enter into the rest of the lord they removed the understanding about the true nature of the Messiah and exactly how he saves his people. As many as the mouth of the Lord shall name to bind up the law and seal up the testimony and to prepare the saints for the hour of judgment, which is to come. All right. This hour of judgment, which is to come is the abomination of desolation. The second abomination of desolation. Verse 85, that their souls may escape the wrath of God, the desolation of abomination, which awaits the wicked, both in this world and in the world to come. And thus it is that the Latter-day Saints, who become wise virgins, who take the Holy Spirit as their guide, find the truth and are not deceived, and will escape this second abomination of desolation.
1: All right, back in Isaiah. Verse 8 again. You have
0: not heard them, nor have you known them. Before this, your ears have not been opened to them. For I knew you would turn treacherous. You were called a transgressor from the womb. Um. This concept of the foreknowledge of God is also expressed in Alma 13. And Alma 13, verse 3. And this is the manner after which they were ordained, high priests in the holy order, being called and prepared from the foundation of the world according to the foreknowledge of God. So, not only are those who would do evil and wickedly um, known beforehand, but also those who would be righteous. Now, Alma is about to tell us um, you know, how this knowledge um, comes forth to God the foreknowledge of God on account of their exceeding faith and good works in the first place being left to choose good or evil. Therefore, they having chosen good and exercised exceedingly great faith are called with the holy calling, yea, with that holy calling, which was prepared with and according to a preparatory redemption for such. So this foreknowledge of God is based on in the first place being left to choose between good and evil. Now, the setting is before the foundation of the world. We are, we are not left to choose between good and evil um, in God's presence or in what we classically define as the pre-earth life. We are only left to choose between good and evil when we take upon ourselves a coat of skins and have that veil of forgetfulness drawn across our minds or come into a mortality. The whole meaning... Of this verse in Alma 13, the verses we read in DNC 103, this verse in Isaiah 48, verse 8 is We have already proven ourselves to God about exactly who we are in lifetime after lifetime after lifetime.
1: For I knew you would turn treacherous, you were called a transgressor from the womb. For my own name's
0: sake, I have bridled my wrath. On account of my renown, I have shown restraint toward you by not entirely destroying
1: you. Now, this is part of how we come to an earnestness
0: as we cry out unto God in prayer. Realizing that even though um, chance after chance after chance that our Lord and God has given us to prove ourselves true and faithful, and each and every time we proved exactly the opposite, that we were not willing to hearken unto all of God's commandments, proving that we were not willing to take the holy spirit as our guide find the truth and not be deceived despite all of those previous failings god has not given up on us and he is giving us one last chance he is extending his arm again to us again second nephi 28 Verse 32. Woe be unto the Gentiles or Latter-day Saints, saith the Lord God of hosts, for notwithstanding I shall lengthen out mine arm unto them from day to day, they will deny me. Now this isn't talking about just this time. This is talking about over the generations.
1: He has reached his arm out to the exact same people. Over and over and over again. They will deny me. Nevertheless, I will
0: be merciful unto them, saith the Lord God, if they will repent and come unto me. For the Lord is extending one last chance. For mine arm is lengthened out all the day long, saith the Lord God of hosts. And again, DNC 103. Verse 15, behold, I see unto you the redemption of Zion must needs come by power. Therefore, I will raise up unto my people a man who shall lead them, like as Moses led the children of Israel. For ye are the children of Israel and the seed of Abraham, and ye must needs be led out of bondage by power and with a stretched out arm. For as your fathers were led at the first, even so shall the redemption of Zion be. Well, with this understanding, who exactly then were the fathers. For my own name's sake, I have bridled my wrath. On account of my renown, I have shown restraint toward you by not entirely destroying you. When you have demonstrated that that would be just time and time and time again.
1: See, I am refining you. I refine you through the generations of time.
0: Though not as silver, I am testing you in the crucible of affliction. For my own sake, on my own account, I do it, that my name be not dishonored, nor my glory, which I give to no other. The Lord God will save his people. Ultimately, his people are those who enter into and keep covenant with him. Those who do take the Holy Spirit as their guide, therefore they find the truth and are not deceived. But he's very patient with us from generation to generation to generation. Verse 12. Hear me, O Jacob and Israel, whom I have called. He's talking to the Latter-day Saints. I am he who was at the first, and I am he who is at the last. It was by my hand that, found, that founded the earth, my right hand that stretched out the heavens. When I call them, they arise at once. It is Jesus Christ who was in charge of the creation of this earth and the Lord's end time servant was his uh, right-hand man in accomplishing this work. It was my hand, the end-time servant, that founded the earth. My right hand that that
1: stretched out the heavens. When I call them, they arise at once. All of you, Assemble and hear, who among you foretold these
0: things. It is him who Jehovah loves. Or in other words, it is the Lord's end-time servant who prophesied
1: during his first ministry that all these things would come to pass. All of you assemble and hear. Who among
0: you foretold these things? It is him who Jehovah loves. Now, this this terminology of whom Jehovah loves or beloved, um, these are terms that pertain to men like John the Beloved or John the Revelator, the Lord's end time servant. You know, Enoch, Jacob, you know, and others throughout time who shall perform his will in Babylon. What is the Lord's will in Babylon? Well, to gather out his people from it before its destruction. (coughs) Just as Abraham was sent into Sodom and Gomorrah to call out Lot and his family on the eve of destruction. So, That is the job of the Lord's end-time servant. His arm shall be against the Chaldeans or the people of Babylon. Now his arm shall be against the Chaldeans. Now this has double fulfillment. First, the Lord's left hand, the Lord's left arm is the king of Assyria, king of Babylon. He who is allowed to be empowered to destroy the world, to destroy the wicked. Um, But before that happens, the Lord's right arm seals up unto destruction those who will not hearken unto their Lord and their God. Helaman chapter 10, verse six. This is the sealing of the second order of Melchizedek priesthood, which the end time servant. Um, receives before he comes on the scene. Behold, thou art Nephi, and I am God. Behold, I declare it unto thee in the presence of mine angels that ye shall have power over this people and shall smite the earth with famine and with pestilence and destruction according to the wickedness of this people. And verse 10 And behold, if ye shall say that God shall smite this people, it shall come to pass. And now, behold, I command you that ye shall go and declare unto this people that thus saith the Lord God, who is the Almighty, except ye repent, ye shall be smitten even unto destruction. It's the Lord's servant who's given the task and the responsibility to seal up both to deliverance and to destruction.
1: And then the destruction is executed by the Lord's left hand, the king of Assyria, the king of Babylon. Verse 14, all of you assemble and hear
0: who among you foretold these things. It is him Jehovah loves who shall perform his will in Babylon. His arm shall be against the Chaldeans. I myself have spoken it and also called him. I have brought him and I will prosper his way. Come near me and hear this. I have not made predictions in secret. At their coming to pass, I have been present. Now my Lord Jehovah has sent me. His spirit is in me. We just had a transition from the Lord introducing his servant to now the servant is talking in the first person. So the servant says, come near me and hear this. I have not made predictions in secret for they are published unto you in the Doctrine, Covenants, and Book of Commandments. And now you have even more than that with the Joseph Smith Papers Project. At their coming to pass, I have been present. Or he returns, and all these prophecies are fulfilled. Now my Lord Jehovah has sent me, his spirit is in me. Let's cross-reference DNC 20, verse 2. Which commandments were given to Joseph Smith Jr., who was called of God and ordained an apostle of Jesus Christ to be the first elder in this church? There are a whole group of men that before the 1835 calling of 12 to the church office of apostle in the church of the Latter-day Saints. There were men prior to that, when we still had the fullness of the gospel, who were called and ordained as apostles of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, not to a church office in a preparatory gospel, but by him in the fullness of his gospel. And Joseph Smith was the first of these. And all of the keys were given to him and, will not be, and would not be taken from him in that life or in the eternities, for he returns to exercise
1: them. Now my Lord Jehovah has sent me. His spirit is in me.
0: Thus says Jehovah, the Holy One of Israel, your Redeemer, I Jehovah, your God, instruct you, to do, to I, Jehovah your God, instruct you to your good, guiding you in the way you should go. Had you but obeyed my commandments, now Christ is speaking to his people, Jacob, Israel, and in this context, it's to the Latter day Saints, those to whom the servant first comes forth. And of course, it does have secondary meaning to the rest of the peoples of the whole earth after the gathering out of the strength of the Lord's house has been accomplished among the Latter-day Saints. Oh, Latter-day Saints, had you but obeyed my commandments, your peace would have been as a river, your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Well, a river and waves of the sea are metaphors for the... End time king of Assyria, King of Babylon, that agent of chaos and destruction that destroys the entire world, and the wicked among God's people. Now, now Christ is talking to those Latter-day Saints who do not qualify to be delivered from bondage, but who may qualify for deliverance from destruction, but not to go on the exodus. Had you but obeyed my commandments, in other words, you would have qualified for the end-time exodus. You would have been gathered out on the eve of destruction. Your peace would have been as a river. Your righteousness, like the waves of the sea, meaning righteousness being a metaphor for the Lord's end-time servant, that he is endowed with the power to uh, contain and overcome the destructive power of the king of Assyria, king of Babylon and you would have been protected on an end-time exodus. Your offspring would have been as the sands in number, your descendants as many as their grains. Their names would not have been cut off and obliterated from my presence. For those who go into the millennium will continue to have children, and it is only the beginning of establishing
1: an eternal posterity. This also has reference to the people
0: living in this generation um, who have been given a second chance, who are back again for one last chance. Had they this time taken the Holy Spirit as their guide, therefore found the truth and had not been deceived they would have made it and would not suffer um, destruction and bondage for which there is no deliverance. Now, their names would not have been cut off and obliterated from my presence. (coughs) Well, names being cut off has reference to that their names were once written in the Lamb's book of life. You can't cut off something that wasn't recorded to begin with.
1: Let's cross-reference Mosiah chapter 5. Verses
0: 7 through 12. And now because of the covenant which you have made, this is King Benjamin's people, now in the middle of receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And now because of the covenant which you have re, which you have made, you shall be called the children of Christ, his sons and his daughters. All right, this again has reference Isaiah 48, the end of verse 19 to the doctrine of eternal lives that at one time they had indeed taken upon them the name of Christ. The only way to take upon you the name of Christ is to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And now because of the covenant which ye have made, ye shall be called the children of Christ, his sons and his daughters. For behold, this day he has spiritually begotten you. For ye say that your hearts are changed through faith on his name therefore ye are born of him and have become his sons and his daughters and under this head ye are made free and there is no other head whereby ye can be made free there is no other name given whereby salvation cometh therefore i would that you should take upon you the name of christ all you that have entered into the covenant with god that ye should be obedient unto the end of your lives and it shall come to pass that whosoever doth this shall be found at the right hand of god For he shall know the name by which he is called, for he shall be called by the name of Christ. And now it shall come to pass that whosoever will not take upon him the name of Christ must be called by some other name. Therefore he findeth himself on the left hand. And I would that you should remember also that this is the name that I said I should give unto you that never should be blotted out except it be through transgression. Well, what is being described right here in Isaiah 48 at the end of verse 19 is those who have previously received the name of Christ, but now it is to be blotted out because of transgression. Therefore, take heed that ye do not transgress, back in Mosiah 5, verse 11, that the name be not blotted out of your hearts. I say unto you, I would that you should remember to retain the name written always in your hearts, that ye are not found on the left hand of God, but that ye hear and know the voice by which ye shall be called, and also the name by which he shall call you. Back to Isaiah 48, verse 19 again. Your offspring would have been as the sands in number, your descendants as many as their grains, because you had previously taken. up taken upon you the name of Christ. And all you had to do was
1: again take the Holy Spirit as your guide. But you would not. Therefore, your names are obliterated from my presence. Verse 20.
0: Go forth out of Babylon. Flee from Chaldea. Make this announcement with resounding voice. Broadcast it to
1: the end of the earth. Say Jehovah has redeemed his servant Jacob.
0: So for those who would assert that we should not be talking about the return of the Lord's end time servant. Here is Jesus Christ himself proclaiming Go forth out of Babylon, flee from Chaldea, make this announcement with resounding voice. Broadcast it to the end of the earth, say Jehovah, has redeemed his servant Jacob. It is Christ who announces and proclaims that his servant will return and that his servant has returned. They thirsted not when he led them through arid places. He caused water to flow from them, from the rock. He cleaved the rock and water gushed out. Now, Moses is being used as a metaphor for the end time servant. And in this context, when we put it in conjunction with 2 Nephi 25, let's go to 2 Nephi 25.
1: Verse 20. And now, my brother,
0: I have spoken plainly that ye cannot err. And as the Lord God liveth that brought Israel up out of the land of Egypt and gave Moses power that he should heal the nations after they had been bitten by the poisonous serpents. Isn't it interesting how this historical event is being maligned? by those who speak, not by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. If they would cast their eyes unto the serpent, which he did raise up before them, he also gave him power that he should smite the rock and water should come forth. <laughs> All right. So it is, it is my conclusion that, you know, in our current Old Testament, when uh, it says that Moses without authorization from god struck the rock that water came forth out of it and that this is why he was cursed that that was actually a revision of the deuteronomus that in fact he did have full and complete authorization and he was not cursed for bringing water out of the rock. Instead, it was part of the covenant that the children of Israel qualified for, to not perish from thirst, but to have the waters of everlasting life. Of course, they would not accept all of the waters, but they were in fact preserved because even though they didn't qualify for deliverance from bondage, bondage from wandering in the desert. They did qualify for deliverance from
1: destruction, Um, not before entering the promised land, but from immediate destruction.
0: And again, 2 Nephi 25, halfway through verse 20, and also gave him power that he should smite the rock And water should come forth. Yea, behold, I see unto you that as these things are true, and as the Lord God liveth, there is none other name given under heaven, save it be Jesus Christ of which I have spoken, whereby man can be saved. And if there's any question among any um, about what we should call Jesus Christ, this is just one of the many places in the Book of Mormon where we We are given by revelation exactly the term and the name by which we should call our savior, even Jesus Christ. And that there is none other name that is approved unto us. Back in Isaiah 48, verse 21, they thirsted not when he led them through arid places. So, just as Moses was raised up to lead the children of Israel out of Moses on an exodus, so is the end-time servant lifted up to be an end-time Moses, to lead the strength of Lord's house among the Latter-day Saints on an end-time exodus. And just as the Lord provided the necessities for the children of Israel under Moses that they did not perish, so will the Lord provide those who are led out among the Latter-day Saints on an end-time exodus, He will provide for their needs, both food and water and shelter and clothing and protection. They thirsted not when he led them through arid places. He caused water to flow for them from the rock. He cleaved the rock and water gushed out. Well, who is the rock? Well, the rock is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is our Savior and our Redeemer. And it is from him that we are saved and delivered and protected. Even though he works through his end-time servant, it's not the end-time servant's power by which God's people will be saved. It is the power of Jesus Christ as
1: exercised through his instrument, the end-time servant. Go forth out of Babylon, flee from Chaldea. Make this
0: announcement with resounding voice. Broadcast it to the end of the earth, say Jehovah has redeemed his servant Jacob. Um, So not only is this talking about the Lord's end time servant, but also his servant at the Jacob Israel level. We're talking about those among the Latter-day Saints who will qualify as the strength of the Lord's house. They thirsted not when he led them through arid places. He caused water to flow for them from the rock. He cleaved the rock and water gushed out. Uh, This having both metaphorical significance and literal significance, that in fact, many of those who were with Moses on the original Exodus also be part of the anti exodus For God has worked with them from generation to generation that they might receive the maximum amount that they are willing to receive. Verse 22: But there is no peace, says Jehovah, for the wicked. So those who do not qualify as the strength of the Lord's house will not make it. Now let's look at JST. Isaiah 42. For I will send my servant unto you who are blind, yea, a messenger to open the eyes of the blind and unstop the ears of the deaf. Well, who are these deaf and blind? Second Nephi 28. Verse 14. Speaking of the Latter-day Saints. They wear stiff necks and high heads. Yea, because of pride and wickedness and abominations and whoredoms. They have all gone astray, save it be a few who are the humble followers of Christ. Nevertheless, they are led that in many instances they do err because they are taught by the precepts of men. And again, in DNC 45, verse 28, and when the time of the Gentiles is come in, a light shall break forth among them that sit in darkness, and it shall be the fullness of my gospel, but they receive it not. For they perceive not the light, and they turn their hearts from me because of the precepts of men. Well, even though all of us had been taught the precepts of men and therefore had been misdirected, it is the humble followers of Christ, as soon as they hear the fullness of the gospel, as soon as they hear the truth preached by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost, As soon as the light breaks forth upon them and they read the scriptures and they see the fullness of the gospel and the prophecies contained therein, they receive it with gladness and they repent and they return. You know, these are not the wicked among Jacob Israel, and they do qualify for deliverance from destruction and also from bondage. Back to JST. Isaiah 42, 19. For I will send my servant unto you who are blind, yea, a messenger to open the eyes of the blind. Or, in other words, to those when the fullness is declared to you, you will receive it with gladness and enter into the new covenant and will repent and return and then stop the ears of the deaf, and they shall be made perfect notwithstanding their blindness if they will hearken unto the messenger, the Lord's servant. Thou art a people, seeing many things, but thou observest not, opening the ears to hear, but thou hearest not. The Lord is not well pleased with such a people, but for his righteousness' sake, he will magnify the law and make it honorable. Righteousness being a metaphor for the Lord's end-time servant. So, the Lord's end time servant is literally pleading the cause of his people before the Lord that vengeance may be halted, that the destruction may be delayed until all those who will receive have received the fullness of the gospel. The Lord is not well pleased with such a people, verse 22. But for his righteousness' sake, he will magnify the law and make it honorable. Thou art a people robbed and spoiled. Thine enemies, all of them, have snared thee in holes, and they have hid thee in prison houses. They have taken thee for a prey, and none delivereth for a spoil, and none saith restore. Well, who are these robbers and these despoilers? Who are these enemies? Well, they're referred to in DNC 101. For after the servants go about gathering out the strength of the Lord's house in their second ministry, verse 57 Therefore, get ye straightway unto my land, break down the walls of mine enemies. Throw down their tower and scatter their watchmen. And inasmuch as they gather together against you, avenge me of mine enemies that by and by I may come with the residue of my house and possess the land. Regarding these enemies, First Nephi chapter 14. And that great pit, verse 3, which hath been digged for them for the Latter-day Saints as it has been defined in verses 1 and 2 in that generation in which the end time servant returns which hath been digged for them by that great and abominable church which was founded by the devil and his children that he might lead away the souls of men down to hell yea that great pit which hath been digged for the destruction of men shall be filled by those who digged it unto their utter destruction saith the lamb of god not the destruction of the soul save it be the casting of it into that hell which hath no end To give context, verse 1, chapter 14, and it shall come to pass that if the Gentiles will hearken unto the Lamb of God in that day, that he will manifest himself unto them in word and also in power in very deed unto the taking away of their stumbling blocks. Well, these taking away of the stumbling blocks. The stumbling blocks is the corruption of doctrine by the husbandman in the vineyard. The husbandman in the vineyard are talked about in JST Matthew 21. As the legal administrators or the chief priests and the Pharisees
1: of our day. Now, Jacob 5,
0: starting in verse 49, it parallels the parable of redemption of Zion in DNC 101, 43 to 66. And its commentary and continuation in DNC 103, 1 through 28. So, Jacob 5, 49 through 77. So, starting in verse 49, um, we have the announcement that America is to come under covenant curse and destruction. And it came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard said unto the servant, This is Joseph Smith, if you will, in his premortal life. Let us go and hew down the trees of the vineyard and cast them into the fire, that they shall not cumber the ground of my vineyard, for I have done all. What could I have done more for my vineyard? Now, in verse 50, we have a proposal for the restoration of the gospel and a first ministry of Joseph. But behold, the servant said unto the Lord of the vineyard, spare it a little longer. In verse 51, we get approval for the restoration. And the Lord said, yea, I will spare it a little longer, for it grieveth me that I should lose the trees of my vineyard. And in verse 52, we get a plan or the beginning of the plan for the restoration. And this plan goes from 52 to 54. So 52, wherefore, let us take of the branches of these, which I have planted in the nethermost parts of my vineyard and let us graft them into the tree from whence they came and let us pluck from the tree, those branches whose fruit is most bitter and graft in the natural branches of the tree in the stead thereof. And this will I do that the tree may not perish, that perhaps I may preserve unto myself the roots thereof for mine own purpose. And behold, the roots of the natural branches of the tree, which I planted whithersoever I would, are yet alive. Wherefore, that I may preserve them also for mine own purpose, I will take of the branches of this tree, and I will graft them in unto them. Yea, I will graft in unto them the branches of their mother tree, that I may preserve the roots and also mine own self, that when they shall be sufficiently strong, perhaps they may bring forth good fruit unto me, and I may yet have glory in the fruit of my vineyard. Now, starting in verse 55, we have the commencement of Joseph Smith's first mission. And... 55 through 57. And it came to pass that they took from the natural tree, which had become wild and grafted it in unto the natural trees, which had also become wild. And they also took of the natural trees, which had become wild and grafted into their mother tree. And the Lord of the vineyard said unto the servant, pluck not the wild branches from the trees, save it be those which are most bitter. And in them ye shall graft according to that, which I have said. And in verse 58, we have the plan for the end of Joseph Smith's first mission. And we will nourish again the trees of the vineyard, and we will trim up the branches, therefore, and we will pluck from the trees those branches which are ripened, that they must perish, and cast them into the fire. And again, verse 59, we have commentary on the end of Joseph's first ministry and the set up for his second, verse 59. And this I do, that perhaps the roots thereof may take strength because of their goodness, and the branches of the change, and because of the change of the branches, that the good may overcome the evil. And in verse 60, we have the results of the restoration. And because that I have preserved the natural branches and the roots thereof, and that I have grafted in the natural branches again into their mother tree, and have preserved the roots of their mother tree, that perhaps the tree of my vineyard may bring forth again good fruit, and that I may have joy again in the fruit of my vineyard, and perhaps that I may rejoice exceedingly, that I have preserved the roots and the branches of the first fruit. And in 61, we have the plan for the redemption of Zion, and the return of the servants, uh, as is introduced in DNC 101, verse 55. Wherefore go to and call servants, that we may labor diligently with our might in the vineyard, that we may prepare the way, that I may bring forth again the natural fruit, which natural fruit is good and most precious above all other fruit. Now, as a cross reference, let's go to DNC 101. And verse 55, and the Lord of the vineyard said unto one of his servants, go and gather together the residue of my servants and take all the strength of mine house, which are my warriors, my young men. They that are of middle age also among all my servants who are the strength of mine house, save those only whom I have appointed to terror. Well, who are the remnants of the servants or the residue of these servants that the servant Joseph Smith, uh, junior gathers out. Well, let's go back to DNC 88. 74, and I give unto you who are the first labors in this last kingdom a commandment, that you shall assemble yourselves together and organize yourselves and prepare yourselves and sanctify yourselves. Yea, purify your hearts and cleanse your hands and your feet before me that I may make you clean. Verse 80, that ye may be prepared in all things when I shall send you again. In a second ministry, to magnify the calling whereunto I have called you and the mission with which I have commissioned you. Behold, I sent you out to testify and to warn the people, and it becometh every man who hath been warned to warn his neighbor. Therefore they are left without excuse, and their sins are upon their own heads. He that seeketh me early shall find me and shall not be forsaken. Therefore tarry ye and labor diligently, that ye may be perfected in your ministry to go forth among the Gentiles for the last time. As many as the mouth of the Lord shall name to bind up the line, seal up the testimony, and to prepare the saints for the hour of judgment which is to come, that their souls may escape the wrath of God and the desolation of abomination, which awaits the wicked both in this world and in the world to come. And in 86, Abide in the liberty wherewith ye are made free. Entangle not yourselves in sin, but let your hands be clean until the Lord comes. For not many days hence the earth shall tremble and reel to and fro like a drunken man and the sun shall hide his face and shall refuse to give light and the moon shall be bathed in blood and the stars shall become exceedingly angry and the moon shall be bathed in blood perhaps a reference to what we saw last night as and as a, a sign of what is shortly coming to pass And the stars shall become exceedingly angry and shall cast themselves down as a fig tree that falleth off a fig tree. And after your testimony cometh wrath and indignation upon the people. For after your testimony cometh the testimony of earthquakes that shall cause groanings in the midst of her. And men shall fall upon the ground and shall not be able to stand. And also cometh the testimony of the voice of thunderings and the voice of lightnings and the voice of tempests and the voice of the waves of the sea heaving themselves beyond their bounds. And all things shall be in commotion, and surely men's hearts shall fail them, for the fear shall come upon all people. And angels shall fly through the midst of heaven, crying with a loud voice, saying, sounding the trump of God, saying, prepare ye, prepare, O inhabitants of the earth, for the judgment of our God is come. Behold, and lo, the bridegroom cometh, go out to meet him.
1: Okay, back in Jacob 5. Verse 61, wherefore, go to and call servants who we have just read about, that
0: we may labor diligently with our might in the vineyard, that we may prepare the way that I may bring forth again the natural fruit, which natural fruit is good and most precious above all other fruit. Now, we have to also cross-reference JST Matthew 21. regarding the servants who return to labor in the vineyard for the last time. Verse 53 and the kingdom of God shall be taken from them. The Jews of Christ day and shall be given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof, meaning the Gentiles. This is the restoration of the gospel, both in Joseph's first ministry and in his second ministry and now talking exclusively about the second ministry wherefore on whomsoever this stone shall fall it shall grind him to powder <clears throat> christ has declared himself the stone and the motif is the day of the lord preceding his second coming this destruction being that which is wreaked out by his left arm the king was here king of babylon verse 55 tells us who This stone shall fall on among the leadership of God's covenant people. And then verse 56 tells us whom this stone shall fall and grind them to powder among the membership. And when the Lord thereof of the vineyard cometh, he will destroy those miserable wicked men, talking about the husbandman in the minute in the vineyard, or the legal administrators, the chief priests and the Pharisees of the end times. He will destroy these miserable, wicked men and will let again his vineyard unto other husbandmen. Who are these other husbandmen? Well, it's the return of the servants, the end time servant and the first labors in the last kingdom, who shall usher in the fullness of the gospel and by declaring the fullness of the gospel and the possibility to again receive the baptism of fire, baptism, of the Holy ghost by offering up the sacrifice of a broken contract spirit, God's people will receive the baptism of fire, baptism, of the Holy ghost, and thus will um, offer up good fruit again. Or in other words, who shall render him the fruits in their seasons. This is exactly what we are reading in Jacob, chapter 5, um, starting in verse 61. The servants and the plan for the redemption of Zion. Then understood they, that they are Christ of apostles, the parables which he spake unto them, that the Gentiles, remember that the term Gentiles was just defined in verse 53 as the Latter-day Saints that the Latter-day Saints should be destroyed also, meaning those who do not receive the fullness of the gospel from these new husbandmen and enter into the new and everlasting covenant and get gathered out on an end-time exodus. Those who do not qualify for that, that the Latter-day Saints who do not accept the fullness of the gospel should be destroyed, continuing in 56, also when the Lord should descend out of heaven to reign in his vineyard, which is the earth and the inhabitants thereof. So now going back to Jacob 5, verse 61. Wherefore go to and call servants, that we may labor diligently with our might in the vineyard, that we may prepare the way that I may bring forth again the natural fruit. <clears throat> Do you see how the metaphors are the same? Which natural fruit is good and most precious above all other fruit. Wherefore, let us go and labor with our might this last time. For behold, the end draweth nigh, and this is for the last time that I shall prune my vineyard. Remember, we read in DNC 88 that the first labors in the last kingdom would return to go among the Gentiles for the last time, which are the Latter day Saints. Verse 63. Uh, Verse 62. So 62, 63. um, In fact, through 69, we have the plan for the redemption of Zion and the destruction of the terrors. Wherefore, let us go and labor with our might this last time, for behold, the end draweth nigh, and this is the last time that I shall prune my vineyard. Graft in the branches, begin at the last, that they may be first, and that the first may be last. And dig about the trees, both old and young, the first and the last, and the last and the first, that all may be nourished once again for the
1: last time. Now cross-reference First Nephi chapter 13. Verse 42.
0: And the time cometh that he shall manifest himself unto all nations, both unto the Jews, the first, and also unto the Gentiles, the last, in his first ministry. And after he has manifest himself unto the Jews and also unto the Gentiles, then he shall manifest himself unto the Gentiles and unto the Jews, or the last shall be first and the first shall be last. The Gentiles here meaning the Latter-day Saints.
1: And the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. Okay, going back. Verse 63. Graft in the branches. Begin at the last,
0: that they may be first, and that the first may be last. And dig about the tree, both old and young, the first and the last, and the last and the first, that all may be nourished once again for the last time. Wherefore dig about them, and prune them, and dung them. Once more, for the last time, for the end draweth nigh, and if it so be that these last grafts shall grow and bring forth the natural fruit, then shall ye prepare the way for them that they may grow. So, this also has reference to the doctrine of eternal lives. Preparing those who will bring forth fruit in the last harvest or during Joseph Smith's second ministry, to come forth again. And in 65, we have the continuation of the plan of the redemption of Zion. Um, The gradual elimination of the tares, the good roots will come back as branches, which will bear good fruit. The Lord will use the rejected Latter-day Saint church to further his work. He will keep evil in check. And as they begin to grow, ye shall clear away the branches which bring forth bitter fruit, according to the strength of the good and the size thereof. And ye shall not clear away the bad thereof all at once, lest the roots thereof should be too strong. For the graft and the graft thereof shall perish, and I lose the trees of my vineyard.
1: And this is why the Lord allowed. Um. The
0: rejection of the fullness of the gospel by the membership and the hijacking by the leadership to take place in preparation for the end time or the last time restoration. Because if he didn't allow it, those who end up making it wouldn't make it. They wouldn't receive the opposition that they needed to ascend to the level that they needed to ascend to, to qualify for New Jerusalem and the millennium. In 66, we have continuation of the plan of the redemption of Zion, separation of the wheat and the tares, the gathering of the wheat into the garners um, of eternal life or the end time exodus and the destruction of the tares. For it grieveth me that I should lose the trees of my vineyard, wherefore ye shall clear away the bad according to the good, according as the good shall grow, that the root and the top may be equal in strength until the good shall overcome the bad, and the bad be hewn down and cast into the fire, that they may cumber not the ground of my vineyard, and thus will I sweep away the bad out of my vineyard. And in 67, We have a continuation of the plan of the redemption of Zion, including the gathering of Israel. And the branches of the natural tree will I graft in again into the natural tree. And the branches of the natural tree will I graft into the natural branches of the tree. And thus will I bring them together again, that they shall bring forth natural fruit and they shall be one. And now in verse 69, we have the plan for the destruction of the tares and preparation of the vineyard for those branches who are to bring forth good fruit. And the bad shall be cast away, even out of all the land of my vineyard. For behold, only this once will I prune my vineyard. Um, as a cross reference, DNC 101. verse 64 that the work of the gathering together of my saints may continue that i may build them up unto my name upon holy places for the time of harvest is come and my word must needs be fulfilled therefore i must gather together my people according to the parable of the wheat and the tares that the wheat may be secured secured in the garners to possess eternal life and to be crowned with celestial glory when i shall come in the kingdom of my father to reward every man according as his work shall be, while the terrors shall be bound in bundles, their bands made strong, that they may be burned with unquenchable fire. And then continuing. Verse 70.
1: And Jacob 5. It came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard
0: sent his servant, and the servant went and did as the Lord had commanded him, and brought other servants, and they were few. Or in other words, DNC 55. we have the return of Joseph and the residue of the servants to gather out the strength of the Lord's house. In preparation for the end-time exodus, first the gathering is to be conducted spiritually
1: and then physically. In verse 71, servants actually commenced the gathering out of the strength of the Lord's house.
0: And the Lord of the vineyard said unto them, go and labor in the vineyard with your might. For behold, this last time, that I shall nourish my vineyard, for the end is nigh at hand, and the season speedily cometh, and if ye labor with your might, with me, ye shall have joy in the fruit which I shall lay up unto myself against the time uh, which will soon come. And in 72, we have the end-time exodus, and entering into the rest of the Lord on the end-time exodus. And the coming of Christ to his saints in the temples of New Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass that the servants did go and labor with their mights, and the Lord of the vineyard labored also with them. And they did obey the commandments of the Lord of the vineyard in all things. Now let's cross reference DNC 103. verse 20, speaking about the end time exodus and those who are on it. But I say unto you, mine angels shall go up before you and also my presence. And in time you shall possess the goodly land. And as context for um, d and 103 and Jacob 5, verse 72 in JST Genesis 9 verse 21, and the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant which I made unto thy father Enoch. Here the Lord is speaking to Noah about the covenant that he made with his great-grandfather Enoch, about the return of Enoch and his city to the earth before the second coming of Jesus Christ. That when men should keep all my commandments, okay, this, this men keeping all my commandments is exactly what is being talked about in Jacob 5, verse seventy-two. And it came to pass that the servants did go and labor with their might, and the Lord of the vineyard labored with them also, and they did obey the commandments of the Lord of the vineyard in all things. Both the laborers and those who would be called out on the end-time exodus who would enter into
1: the rest of the Lord. And continuing in JST Genesis 9, verse 21 that when men should keep all my commandments, Zion should again come on the earth,
0: the city of Enoch, which I have caught up unto myself. And this is my everlasting covenant that when thy posterity shall embrace the truth and look upward, then shall Zion look downward. And all the heavens shall shake with gladness and the earth shall tremble with joy. And the general assembly of the church of the firstborn shall come down out of heaven and possess the earth and shall have Place until the end come, and this is mine everlasting covenant which I made with thy father Enoch. This is all about the end time Exodus and those on it entering into the rest of the Lord. And thus, when they get to the culmination of the Exodus, we have the return of Enoch and his city and the establishment of New Jerusalem. And for verse 73, again, separation of wheat and tares, the wise virgins from the foolish. And there began to be the natural fruit again in the vineyard, and the natural branches began to grow and thrive exceedingly. And the wild branches began to be plucked off and to be cast away, and they did keep the root and the top thereof equal according to the strength thereof. And in 74, we have the servants laboring right before the Lord comes in glory. And again, the separation of wheat and tares and the establishment of Zion. And thus they labored with all diligence according to the commandments of the Lord of the vineyard. Even until the bad had been cast away out of the vineyard and the Lord had preserved unto himself that the trees had become again the natural fruit. (laughs) And they became like unto one body and the fruits were equal and the Lord of the vineyard had preserved unto himself natural fruit, which was
1: most precious unto him from the beginning. And 75,
0: also discussion of the servants and the beginning of the millennium. And it came to pass that when the Lord of the vineyard saw that his fruit was good and that his vineyard was no more corrupt, he called up to his servants and said unto them, Behold, for this last time have we nourished my vineyard, and thou beholdest that I have done according to my will. And I have preserved the natural fruit, that it is good, even like as it was in the beginning. And blessed art thou, for because ye have been diligent in laboring with me in my vineyard, and have kept my commandments, and have brought unto me again the natural fruit, that my vineyard is no more corrupted, and the bad is cast away. Behold, ye shall have joy with me because of the fruit of my vineyard. And 76, we have millennial rest, and many will receive the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. Um, during the millennium, um, who did not qualify to enter into New Jerusalem, but did qualify to um, transition from destruction and from captivity and were able to bear the coming of Christ on the morning of the first resurrection. For behold, for a long time will I lay up of the fruit of my vineyard Unto mine own self, that this against the season which speedily cometh, for the last time I have nourished my vineyard and have pruned it and have dug about it and have dunged it. Wherefore I will lay up unto mine own self of the fruit for a long time according to that which I have spoken. And in 77, we have the conclusion of the thousand year period where Lucifer is unchained and gathers together his forces it's a brand new war in heaven he draws away a third part which we have discussed previously and we have the commencement of the battle of Gog and magog and when the time cometh that the evil fruit shall again come into my vineyard then will i cause the good and the bad to be gathered and the good will i preserve unto myself and the bad will i cast away into its own place and then cometh the season and the end and my vineyard will I cause to be burned with fire. Next Monday, we will uh, go into the second part of the Lord's End Time Servant with Isaiah 49. And, you know, I conclude with my testimony. That the Lord is, in fact, in charge. That everything that is playing out is according to prophecy. That the Lord is, in fact, gathering his people spiritually. That he is sending forth knowledge of the doctrine of Christ, which is the fullness of the gospel, um, to the Latter-day Saints. That those who have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand might receive it with gladness. And if we will repent, that we have offended God because we have not um, hearkened unto all of the commandments that he has given us by the voice of his Spirit. And so we have offended him and need to hunger in our souls and cry out unto him for forgiveness and offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. We will receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. We will qualify as the strength of the Lord's house. We will be gathered physically for the end time exodus on the eve of destruction and participate in the establishment of Zion, taking the fullness of gospel to the ends of the earth, meeting up with Enoch, the return of his city, establishment of new Jerusalem. And if we really will hearken to all the words of the voice of the spirit, then be able to be sent forth to the four corners of the earth, finish the gathering of Israel and the peoples of the whole earth who will receive the doctrine of Christ um, in final preparation for Christ coming in his glory. And all these things are happening in our
1: generation.